Hello and welcome to Creative Lives, the Lecture in Progress podcast. Lecture in Progress is an online resource that inspires and informs the next generation of talent by providing practical advice and insight into the creative industry. This podcast series features a broad range of people talking about what they do and how they got to where they are. Our guest this week is Ruby White. My name is Ruby White. I'm a senior integrated designer at Burberry and I work in the creative media department there, the digital specialty. As our online and offline spaces become busier than ever, the ongoing challenge for brands is how they can best stand out and cut through the noise. This is the essence of Ruby's role at fashion powerhouse Burberry. So my job is basically with my team of four designers, work out how we can make the most impact in often very congested digital environments online and also in physical environments. So often in an urban world, in in the physical space, we like to think of those as our kind of external art installations. I think the kind of advertising world has changed quite a lot in the last 10 years. So we're quite selective about where we put things and when we do, we want to kind of make them quite special. And then from a digital perspective, I think Burberry established a kind of pioneering digital reputation quite a while ago under Christopher Bailey's reign, which is great because we've got these amazing things under our belt, like being one of the first brands to stream our runway shows live and kind of embrace augmented reality and social content. But it means there's a lot of expectation. So we're really ambitious. We're every campaign and what we do. First, Ruby tells us what it's like to work for the renowned fashion company and the specifics of her role. It was a bit of a beehive. So as soon as you get in, the day is quite quickly quite busy with things that you cannot predict. So I like to be on top of things before I get in. So getting for nine, um, we have a morning stand-up with my team. So I think I said we have four great designers, then we have two to three project managers that help us get everything in shape um, and keep us on our toes, which is brilliant. And then that's our kind of core team. So we meet at 9.20, discuss the priorities for the day, any kind of headlines that might have happened the day before that we've missed or overnight. It's definitely not always a kind of tidy nine to five day um, and things change very quickly. Um, in our creative media department, there's 200 of us and we're all working on creative projects, all different ones across the building all the time and they often relate to each other. So things change a lot. And then the rest of the day, basically I spend keeping track with my team, um, reviewing the work that they do, uh, discussing new ideas, new uh, challenges that have arisen uh, from across the business, keeping track of ongoing projects, more bespoke projects that we may be working internally in the team with or with other teams. And then also kind of strategizing opportunities for what's coming up. So with new campaigns, what the opportunities are. We love embracing new technology and we have some really cool teams within our department. We've got one called Creative Technology, um, a whole 3D team, a video team, architecture team. So there's all sorts of stuff going on. So we're always trying to look for ways to work together. In August last year, Burberry unveiled a new rebrand for the first time in over 20 years. Ruby tells us how it all came about. So with the rebrand that happened, that was obviously significant of us having a new chief creative officer, Ricardo Tishi. So in lots of ways, it was quite a natural thing to happen and to kind of mark a change um, of direction in the business. In terms of how it works internally, Peter Saville was appointed by Ricardo because of his, you know, amazing reputation and being a British designer. So it felt very relevant to the brand. Savile's team work very closely with our graphics team and they work quite closely in quite a tight way with him to kind of 
to refine all of those assets. And then once it's complete and approved by the relevant people, then it's shared with the rest of the company. But often projects like that will happen in quite a tight, closed environment till they're ready to be shared. And then the rest of the company adopts it. It takes on various lives of its own, as things do. And then I suppose the next stage is when it's released to the world. And that's an amazing thing. I think I've, you know, my experience, I've never been part of the on the inside of something that people are so interested in and so when you know we launched it on Instagram and Kim Kardashian's uh, commenting on it and then Kareem Rockford is commenting on it and suddenly it's like it's on business of fashion and it's on Vogue and you suddenly realize a sort of ripple effect that what you are within has in the outside world so though it's momentary it is quite exciting to be part of those moments it's certainly an exciting part of time to be in the brand where we're sort of reimagining everything looking back on some of her favorite projects from the past year ruby describes working with several teams to bring a dystopian christmas to life for a recent festive campaign So in the past year, a real highlight of a project has been, I would call it an interactive product experience that we hosted on um, Burberry.com over the festive period, so about a month ago. Often the way our working process is that the art directors will develop um, concepts around a campaign, often go and shoot and bring back the kind of the fruits of their labour, which is usually amazing. This year for our festive campaign, they worked with Juno Calypso. So one thing that we really wanted to do was kind of extend the story of the campaign on a digital platform. And from a business point of view, festive is a huge commercial period. So our focus was on product. So we wanted to bring the kind of surreal elements of Juno's work and what was within the campaign into the product world. And what we did is worked with our 3D teams and also our creative technology teams who have these like super talented kind of coders and programmers on it. And we brought to life uh, six of the product from the festive campaign in 3D. But once it was in 3D, Obviously, that's not quite enough. So we, what our challenge was to bring these kind of surreal qualities out in the product. So we had a kind of classic check cap that when you tapped or swiped it, the check moved and we had these bespoke sounds that the music team helped us brief, um, which was a sort of quite eerie sort of plucking strings that happened and so you move through this three-dimensional almost like elevator scape which is perfect for a mobile format always our priority and you say basically it's a kind of playful interactive experience that brings new life to the product and creates a kind of fun playful format that's focused on our sort of more digital native audience who we're always really focused on bringing into our brand stories because they really are our future of the brand and its perception. So that was really a lot of fun to work on. It lasted over a couple of months um, and it created content for our social platforms and for our emails and all the kind of vast ecosystem of um, platforms that we exist on. I think in a lot of the challenge of making them a reality is kind of keeping a balance between beauty and performance. They're two things that are really important in in terms of the luxury experiences that we create. Always make sure that we're not compromising on, Um, and especially from a performance point of view, any digital experience has got to be fluid and intuitive. So they're all way through the process. With such a large and digitally native online following, Ruby discusses how social media presents both challenges and opportunities for Burberry. The digital world definitely is 
rapidly evolving in terms of what platforms and technologies have staying power. It's nice to think that we can now, in our maturing digital state, we could recognise what they are. It's very easy to say now that, you know, Instagram rules the roost, especially in fashion. But at the same time, like you never know what's around the corner. So I think at Burberry, we try and have a really open attitude to what's coming, especially in my experience. It's I feel really quite a futuristic environment. What the amazing thing about having the kind of influence of a brand like that is we have personal relationships with all the kind of social platforms. So they will sometimes share with us new things that they're developing so we can kind of get ahead of those because, you know, it works both ways. It's great for, hopefully they like the content we produce and it's great to have access to those kind of early insights from them. Does certainly evolve. I think at Burberry, for example, we um, in Christopher Bailey's time, we were very focused around music, and so that the platforms that supported music were big to us. Whereas now, Ricardo loves Instagram; it's really important to him and his kind of own personal creative network. So it's we have really quite a few teams in the business that contribute to our Instagram content and it's a really important part of our business. It's it's one of the most democratic platforms that we have as a luxury brand. I think the challenge for brands is to have some sort of meaning beyond whatever the product is that they sell. So the social and technology platforms are a great way to do that and it allows that our kind of customers and our audience and our users to actually engage in a, in a personal way. So all the way through the process, we're always hanging on to these really important things and always circling back and making sure that they're in place. A graduate of Glasgow School of Art's visual communication course, Ruby credits the experience with helping her to build a diverse network of friends and collaborators, but it also provided some essential stepping stones into the world of work. Uh, so I studied at Glasgow School of Art, which was amazing. In terms of what I do now, I think that basically established my creative network, really. Like, definitely the foundations of it. I've still, my best friends are still from there. And there, they're also, like, not only my friends, but I also, like, endlessly respect what they all do, whether they're sort of artists with their works in the Saatchi Gallery or, like, in amazing, like, advertising agencies. But... Art school also gave me my first career opportunities the year before I graduated. An ex-alumni of Glasgow called David McKendrick, who was part of my kind of first heroes that I met. And he is very enigmatic and at the time was creative director of Esquire magazine. So he came in to do a sort of workshop with us. And I knew he had the keys to the world I wanted to be in. And, and he very kindly offered me opportunity um, at Esquire. And then that became Wallpaper Magazine in London. So before I graduated, I had spent a summer discovering the world of magazines. I loved the idea that all the people that were in the magazine had walked through the office at some point. And I also loved the idea that there was all these different kinds of creative people working together on the same product and I don't know where the seeds of working for a brand came from but I certainly thought that was pretty cool. Moving temporarily from Glasgow to LA, Ruby talks about what influence working in more corporate branding for a year had on her ideas for future plans. Going to LA from Glasgow was quite a culture shock. I, I didn't really know America very well before I went there. In terms of the job that I had there, you know, I was really lucky I was taken in as a, as a graduate and I was binding and guillotining presentations. It was not a very digital world then. And, you know, contributing to, you know, identity design. But I think there I 
also got the opportunity to work on um, a big photographic campaign for one of the hotel brands that we work for. And I think that actually sowed some of the seeds of what I kind of realised I would really love doing. Um, so I um, kind of assisted commissioning the photographer that we worked with, you know, casting the models, finding the locations, like discovering what a storyboard is and like how exactly you go about making that, finding the right references, understanding how specific they really need to be and what a process like that involves. And that was really my first taste of that. And I thought... This was great. I loved the idea of like creating images. So that was, I think, quite a kind of moment that I had been exposed to that. And then when I came back to London after a year, and I think then the challenge was to find work that I was really passionate about, which is probably quite ambitious, being still really quite young. I was really lucky and I, I worked for a really small agency that had been set up by two people that used to work at Wyden Kennedy. And we worked on a Barbican campaign in 2012, which was for a season called Dancing Around Duchamp. And we did all the kind of exhibition material and I was like yes this is what I want to do this is brilliant and it was we know we're working with these kind of artistic curators and Philip Perino and and I think Peter Savile was at the launch and I thought it was brilliant but it's quite short-lived freelanced a little bit and then I think in that sense I was really lucky to have that opportunity to do all those different things and I think explore different aspects of your skill set as a designer because it isn't always about setting typography or you know grid lines often that kind of gave me an opportunity to explore other aspects of my professional world and also my personality so yeah that was quite defining for me. As she thinks back to when she was just starting out Ruby shares some early career challenges and the lessons she learned as a result. I think early on my biggest challenge was probably asking for help I think because I sort of like to work really hard and you know work whatever hours you need actually especially when you're young it's not always that good really to just work endlessly on something and not have input from other people so I think the learning from that is not to be precious be open people actually want to help you and asking for help is a good thing to do not only for yourself and the work but actually it helps the progression of a project too because the more people that are involved from an earlier stage the more invested they are in it and actually the potential for what you're making can be expanded really quite a lot. Finally Ruby offers some words of advice to emerging creatives including finding mentors and creating lasting connections within your network. I had a great colleague that told me he has a kind of code that you should always think about in terms of your priorities at work, which is his acronym was POP. There's performance, opportunity and perception. And they are the three things that will define your progression in your career. I thought that was brilliant. So that's what I hold on to. So I think by perception, he means how you're seen, probably in a first sense by your colleagues and then I suppose in a wider sense by the kind of broader working environment, but the perception of what you personally are good at, what projects you might be good at, what your skills are, is not always completely aligned to what they actually are, but that depends on how good I suppose you are at your personal brand and owning your you, I suppose some people would call it. And I agree, it is very important. I think perception, especially, I think the larger the organisation that you work at, the more it's the perception of you, I guess it's your reputation really, will precede you so it's something that's worth keeping check of but I think finding role models that 
are tangible role models, people that you, of course, admire what they do, but in some way can relate to them. And even better, if they can relate to you, if you have something in common with them, rather than, you know, following your heroes on Instagram, I think if you can find some way in which you're actually connected in the real world, then that's, that actually might have an impact on your career. Then having inspiring people in your personal life too. I mean, I think probably most of us creatives have, have a creative social world too. Um, and you never know where projects like that might lead to. This episode of Creative Lives was brought to you by Lecture in Progress. It was presented by me, Marianne Hanoon, and the guest was Ruby White. The editor was Ivor Manley. Lecture in Progress is made possible with the support of a number of brand partners. They include Us2, GF Smith, Google, Sky Creative Agency, Colophon Foundry, and the Paul Smith Foundation. For more information, you can check out lectureinprogress.com, and you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter. We love to hear from you, so please do get in touch with any career-related questions or topics that you would like to hear more about by emailing hello at lectureinprogress.com.